0: The Stolen Maniple Podcast is a production of St. Augustine of Canterbury Church, a Roman Catholic community of the Personal Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, serving San Diego County, California. This episode features Father Samuel Keyes. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What in the world is going on here? Most of us hear this passage and immediately try to deconstruct it for what it must really be saying. Surely we say this isn't really about hate, it's about priorities. So it's not that we should hate our fathers and mothers and so on, but that we should not love them too much. And we can all think of examples where people, not us obviously, do that. To be fair, there does exist in Hebrew literary and rhetorical culture a tendency to hyperbole, exaggeration, and in that reading, hate is not a literal thing, but but rather the, the impression given by turning away from excessive love. I remember well from my time as a high school chaplain the way that this plays out with teenage emotions. It's been like two minutes, and he hasn't responded to my text. He must hate me. Translation, it is theoretically possible that he is not as emotionally invested in this relationship as I am. Mrs. Smith gave me a B on my essay. She definitely hates me. Translation, I'm amazing, and I do not understand why every teacher doesn't just give me all A's as a matter of course. So... Maybe there's a bit of literary or rhetorical exaggeration when it comes to Jesus's comments here, but he still says what he says, and it's still jarring, so it's worth asking whether he really wants us to jump straight to the easier message of get your priorities in order. I want to draw here from one of my old professors, Stanley Hauerwas, who is Famous for never passing up an opportunity to say something provocative. In a piece called Hating Mothers as the Way to Peace, he points out how love is so often at the heart of conflict. He says, Our violence lies not in ourselves, but in our loves. We think it crucial to protect those we love. Indeed, I suspect most of us go to war to protect our loves. Our families, our neighborhoods are what we care about when we go to war. Nations are but symbols of those cares. I guess that resonates with most of us. Statistically, anecdotally, it is often the case that soldiers fight less for some idea about the nation or about virtue than in simple defense of those they love any father or mother or sister or brother gets gets this i often say that fatherhood brought out depths of anger that I never knew I had Uh, and I'm not just talking about the frustrations of children I'm talking about this this deeply ingrained fighting instinct against those who might in any way hurt my children we're all familiar with that moment in the garden of Gethsemane when Peter draws a sword to defend his lord we all want to do that love demands it but Jesus tells us, as he tells Peter there, this love has to be transformed. Here's how was again. We no longer need desperately try to ensure the survival of those we love, for we can now love them with the security and the conviction that God's kingdom is surely here. In short, Jesus brought the end time so that we may have the time to love without that love becoming the source of our violence let's put it this way christianity isn't in at least in the first instance about protecting the innocent now don't get me wrong we don't promote the suffering of the innocent and the catholic tradition is very strong in its recognition of and witness to natural kinds of justice But such witness and work has more to do with authentic created human nature than it does with the unique proclamation of a God-man who died and rose again. The death and resurrection of Jesus have given us a fundamentally new context for any discussion of justice in the world. Because our hope does not depend in any way on our success in preserving the innocent from suffering or on stopping all injustice or on protecting those we love. Our hope rests in the resurrection of the incarnate Son of God who refused to take our deepest no as the final word, who preferred to submit to humanity at its most depraved darkness than to coerce us into the life of grace. We have as a people already done the worst thing we could possibly do we killed God sometimes with a rather casual forgetfulness of this huge cosmic history modern Christians and both Catholics and Protestants are like this we love to go around promoting causes sometimes they're very good causes that that should be promoted like the integrity of the natural human family and the protection of children But there is a danger even here that we need to acknowledge. The chief task of the church isn't just going around declaring that this or that thing is bad. The chief task of the church is to tell the world and to show the world that the ultimate source of all this evil is the world's refusal to recognize the resurrection of Jesus. We can correct this or that injustice all day long, but until we get to this most basic reality, our work will always be partial and incomplete. Which brings us to our epistle, which is an excerpt from St. Paul's short letter to either Philemon or Philemon, depending on who you ask. Now, to refresh our memory, here's the story. Philemon is is a wealthy Christian who has converted, has been converted through the ministry of St. Paul. Onesimus was his slave. Onesimus runs away, but while he's away, he himself encounters St. Paul and becomes a Christian. Paul sends him back to his former master with this letter, which effectively says, Onesimus is now, like you, the slave of Christ. So treat him as such. Now, when you study this letter in an academic context, pretty quickly, the discussion uh, moves to this one big question. Why doesn't Paul just outright condemn slavery? It's pretty clear that he doesn't envision Onesimus just going back to his former life, but but from a modern perspective, it's weird that Philemon isn't you know, called out for owning slaves in the first place. Cue the modern critics who see this as yet another example of how backwards Christianity is. But what if, what if St. Paul understands that it is not really sufficient or good enough for the church to simply condemn this or that practice? What if St. Paul understands that what is at stake is not just something like getting our priorities in order or preventing suffering, but a radical new form of the human family centered on our incorporation into the resurrected Christ. He who does not hate mother or father or sister or brother or slave, or master, or even life itself, for my sake, cannot be my disciple. The big picture matters. We, we can get our priorities in order, we can avoid loving things too much, but without Jesus, none of this will matter very much at all. We can promote justice and make the world a better place, but without Jesus, the world will still choose darkness rather than light. The only way to avoid hate is to love Jesus first and above all else. Because it's only when we love other people and things for his sake and in his love, it's only then that those loves can become the real love that can last even through death. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stolen Maniple podcast. For more information on our church and upcoming events, please visit Augustine of Canterbury.org. and don't forget to subscribe to hear future episodes.